Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and this is Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm excited to see you returns once again because we have got the end of a tale we started some time ago. And if you take a quick look at this little artifact that we've uh, had tucked away in the back of the shop, you may not have noticed it right away. It may look like a piece of twisted sheet metal, but what you may not realize is this is a piece of metal recovered from a crash site in a little place called Roswell, New Mexico, which leads us into our topic on today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop as we take a look not to the stars, but to part two of American Horror Stories double feature season. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Death Valley. Now, not to recap too much of what happened in part one of season 10 of American Horror Story, but they've decided to do this season uh, a double feature, which is a, a wonderful play off of classic horror. When I was a kid growing up, and my parents before them, and, and my grandparents before them, uh, going to the drive-in movie theater was a big thing. And to be able to see a double feature, and especially, you know, me as a kid, loving horror, even though it scared the willies out of me, to see a double feature horror film was a really cool thing. And for them to take American Horror Story and to do it in this double feature way, I mean, what is more American than the double feature at a drive-in movie. I mean, that's the stuff of American nostalgia. And I, I thought it was a brilliant idea for them to do that. And to do two completely different stories. I, I like how, I believe it was Ryan Murphy, one of the co-creators, put it uh, one by the sea, one by the sand. Uh, whereas the first one was taking place on the, the East Coast, the, the Northeast uh, New England states on the coast. That's the water. And then this is taking place in in the sand, mainly in in New Mexico. It, it kind of jumps around, but but you kind of have that feel of uh, Roswell, Area 51, uh, that sort of feel with Death Valley. I like how they did two completely different stories. Uh, Red Tide, the first one, had to deal with artists and art and, and the struggle between artists and their art and agents and the the world of Hollywood and that sort of thing, where this one delved more into the nuts and bolts. It was government. It was military. It was, you know, cold and hard, whereas the first one was passion. And then this, it was just kind of a yin and yang type of season that I really enjoyed after it was all said and done. And Death Valley continued in the wonderful American Horror Story tradition of bringing back some of their, their tried and true actors. Now, this particular season had a, a lot of different faces in it, but it did have some of those faces you come to know from American Horror Story season after season, namely Sarah Paulson, who, I, you know, sometimes I give Sarah Paulson a little grief because it always seems like the characters they write for her, and maybe it's not even so much her fault, but 
she's always playing somebody who is very weepy and emotionally distraught. And it just, it gets just a little tiresome after a while. But this character that they had Sarah Paulson playing in Death Valley, Mamie Eisenhower, uh, one Sarah Paulson, it was, it was a little bit of a transformation for her. I, I had to think for a second because she looked so much older. Uh, she looked like an older Mamie Eisenhower. And I wasn't 100% sure that was her at first. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that is Sarah Paulson playing her. And she just did a, a spectacular job. Lily Ray made a return. Uh, of course, she and Sarah Paulson, probably two of the most uh, longstanding actors who have been in American Horror Story season after season. Uh, Leslie Grossman, who was in Red Tide. She's been in you know a couple of the other more recent seasons. Uh, she makes a return. And, and then we had a list of characters that just spectacular acting all around. Neil McDonough plays Dwight D. Eisenhower. And Neil McDonough is, is one of those, he's kind of, I, I would have to say he's one of those that guys. Because he's not a guy that I recognize by name. Because when I saw him on the screen, I was like, oh, who is that? I I've seen him in this and I've seen him in that. And you could name off uh, a half a dozen things, <laughs> but I couldn't remember his name. But he did a spectacular Dwight D. Eisenhower. I I I've never really seen any old footage of Dwight Eisenhower. I don't know what he sounds like. I don't know if he has the mannerisms down or anything like that. But if you go by sheer looks, and he seemed, you know, Dwight Eisenhower, one of our former presidents, and he came across as very presidential. I could buy him playing Dwight Eisenhower. I could buy him playing a president. And he just really was one of the stalwarts of this season, uh, along with Sarah Paulson that really made this season so enjoyable and really helped me dive into the era that this, uh, the majority of this half of season 10 of American Horror Story takes place. There was also uh, another, he was really kind of recurring at the beginning, but then kind of took more of a, a center stage position later in the, uh, the season, if you can call it that. It's only four episodes because the first half of the Red Tide portion of this season was six episodes. And to keep it at 10, uh, Death Valley only got four, but I think it only needed four. But uh, Craig Sheffer plays Richard Nixon. And while it's not the best Nixon impersonation, he kind of embodied that whole tricky dick sort of vibe and mentality it may have been a little over the top in the writing they they made nixon out to be a real asshole and he may have been but uh but he also his reputation precedes him but they did some really interesting things with that character which we'll get into here in a little bit but just wanted to talk uh, just briefly about uh, some of the some of the fine acting that that we had in in this season that was really kind of stand out. Now, this whole season starts in the 1950s, 1954, Albuquerque, New Mexico. We see this kid get abducted by an alien, kind of had a, a 50s version of Close Encounters of the Third Kind vibe to it. And a woman gets possessed by this alien. 
we find Dwight Eisenhower. He's president. He's out playing golf. He kind of gets brought in to take a look at this mysterious aircraft that was shot down by the Air Force. We think it has something to do with the kid being abducted and the woman being possessed by this alien earlier but no they discover amelia Earhart is still alive and of course uh libby lily rabe uh plays amelia Earhart, and she has these mysterious marks on her the doctors discover an alien body in the wreckage they start studying it and just the way you remember that alien autopsy video that came out Oh, geez, it was, was it late 90s, early 2000s, made the, you know, it was, we were still at the the birth of the internet and social media, and this kind of really was one of those things that was just always out there at the time. Nobody was sure if it was real or not. Uh, they, they filmed this alien autopsy in this to be kind of like it was that footage. It was kind of neat. There's a lot of tie-ins to to history and kind of an alternative take on history, much like Inglorious Bastards was an alternate history on on World War II and Hitler. Uh, they kind of did that with this season. And then we find out this alien body is more of a, a shell for something more sinister. This alien comes out and, and kills the, the doctors looking at it. And then we cut to present day. Now, this season does what I have criticized American Horror Story for doing in the past. One of the things that just drives me nuts is the flip-flopping of timelines in American Horror Story and making stories just so overly complex, very convoluted, and it, it really takes you out of the story when they're just trying to do too much. We're going here, then we're going back in time, and then we're going into the future and, and all over the place. And it just, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it just doesn't add anything to the story sometimes it even takes you out of the story this i i wasn't as big on the cuts to present day uh, i could have done without that i get why they did it because it really tied into the end of the story but i didn't mind it as much as i have minded the time jumping in previous seasons but we meet these you know college kids maybe they've just gotten out of college uh they're spending one last weekend together or, or something to that effect they're going camping out in the desert uh troy cal kendall and jamie cindy crawford's daughter kai gerber plays uh, kendall making a return from her part in american horror stories the uh short story anthology series that is kind of a spin-off from american horror story these four kids are out in the desert they they find uh, mutilated cows and then have an alien encounter and they all uh, end up impregnated by these aliens even the guys are impregnated uh, by these aliens uh, not sure how that works but hey it's science fiction and you know what? you gotta have some suspension of disbelief but we find out that these aliens are trying to make a deal with president eisenhower to be allowed to abduct 5,000 Americans each year in exchange for alien technology. The aliens kind of strong arm Ike into doing this, saying that they're going to take this offer to the Russians if we don't acquiesce. And there's also kind of an illusion that if we don't do what they ask, they're just going to take what they want by force. And they play into this whole idea of passing down secrets from president to president. Uh, the secret goes from 
Eisenhower to JFK and and eventually Nixon. And one of the interesting things they they do is they play off the fact that uh, JFK having an affair with Marilyn Monroe, a little pillow talk in the bedroom. Marilyn Monroe has, you know, issues with drugs and alcohol. Uh, she did in real life. She does in this and she's on a movie set and there's dailies of her filming this movie and she's talking about all these things about the aliens and about the deal and and all of that and this all plays into Nixon orchestrating Marilyn Monroe's death to keep her quiet JFK's assassination because they didn't want him giving a little pillow talk about what's going on with national security to the next strumpet that he happens to be betting. Now, Eisenhower, throughout this whole thing, really, he he's hesitant to make the deal. We find out that Amelia Earhart is pregnant as well. I mean, this is back in, uh, I believe this is still going on in the 50s. Um, she comes to term very early has this baby, dies giving birth to it. Uh, the baby is this monstrosity. It's the first hybrid baby. Ike ends up killing it himself. And he's very hesitant about taking this deal, about sacrificing 5,000 Americans. Mamie Eisenhower and Nixon are both trying to persuade him to take the deal. We kind of go back to present day, where Troy, Cal, Kendall, and Jamie are at the OBGYN uh, getting an ultrasound, and the gynecologist is just disturbed by what she sees. She makes a call to get help, and of course, the men in black show up. No, not Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, we're talking about the real men in black. Well, real in this world. <laughs> they show up take them off to this uh, secret location. We find out that it is essentially Area 51. And they kind of do a thing where um, they're doing these experiments on these alien hybrids that the aliens are trying to create underneath the White House in these bunkers. And so to get it out from under the White House and uh, so Ike isn't kind of lurking around. Again, throughout this whole thing, he's not... Even when he makes the deal, he's not sure he's done the right thing. Always comes across as kind of a liability for these aliens and, and what they're trying to do. But they establish Area 51 as a place where the U.S. government can do experiments. They can do them in conjunction with these aliens trying to create this alien-human hybrid. And that really kind of uh, comes, to, to, comes to pass that it's a situation where these aliens, something's happened to their home planet. They're looking for somewhere else to live. They can't live on Earth as they are. So they're trying to create an alien-human hybrid that can live and be sustained on Earth so that their race can, can go on and on. And that's pretty much why this is all happening. We then get introduced to this kind of a, a liaison for the aliens. It's an android play actually called Valiant Thor, uh, played by Cody Fern, who was in, he's been in some of the other uh, seasons. I remember him. He was kind of a standout for me in the apocalypse season. I, I really enjoy him as an actor the same way I, I become quite a fan of Finn Whitrock uh, because of American Horror Story. But Cody Fern plays this kind of liaison who he and Mamie start uh 
kind of a symbiotic relationship. Uh, she's helping him and he's facilitating her sexual needs. <laughs> but again, it also plays into the whole uh, passing secrets down president to president. We get to see where President Lyndon B. Johnson, he finally gets to meet uh, Valiant Thor and is shown this warehouse where all these hybrids that didn't make it are, are being preserved. And then we finally get one of the first successful alien-human hybrid births from Troy, one of the one of the twenty-somethings that were uh, abducted and impregnated one of the guys. But they end up killing the baby because it didn't meet the correct specifications. He ends up meeting up back with his friends inside this facility and helps uh, Cal, who's actually his boyfriend, give birth to his hybrid baby, kind of on the on the DL. And they they do it on this. Uh, like soundstage that looks like the moon landing and kind of playing into that whole the moon landing was faked sort of thing. Uh, they talk about Stanley Kubrick directing it, which is kind of a big myth that's out there. But uh, they give birth to this this hybrid baby. They cut the baby out of cow. Uh, it's, it's horrific, the screams. And it's not as successful as a birth as this newborn leaps out and chews off cow's face it's kind of got like a baby top and an octopus bottom it was it was pretty disturbing pretty disgusting the whole story kind of moves forward as nixon's now president and we get to see him we get to see secretary of state henry kissinger who we find out is another uh type of alien more of a lizard type alien and uh it really didn't serve much of a purpose, I didn't think, other than the the myth, the conspiracy theory that our government is being run by this secret cabal of lizard people, which it just makes me laugh thinking about it. Just all the nods to the conspiracy theories that this part of season 10 of American Horror Story kind of gave a wink to uh, was quite entertaining and quite fun it's kind of like a where's waldo of conspiracy theories it made what turned out to be a, a really fun in a horrific way part of the season uh even that much more enjoyable but we'll we'll kind of talk into the dissecting what made this this part of the season so great a little bit later but at this time you know nixon's president and you know he's he wants us to get out of the Vietnam War, but this valiant Thor character wants the United States to stay in it because it's a distraction from what's going on with all these alien abductions. We then see Eisenhower on his deathbed with Mamie by his side, and they, they've had a strained relationship. It started out great, but once Mamie started getting involved with this valiant Thor character and kind of pushing Ike to to take this deal with the aliens that really put a rift between the two and they don't have as good a relationship, which, which was sad to see. It's sad to see any sort of a longstanding relationship devolve like that. But uh, I'm sure it wasn't like that in real life. Uh, this is all acting, but uh, hopefully you heard me say that in John Lovett's voice for all you Gen Xers out there. But he is offered immortality by Valiant Thor. Uh, they'll take him to Area 51, to this facility, and there he'll be able to live 
out uh, the rest of his days uh, immortal. But Ike, being the noble man that he was, uh, declines it and intends on, on dying. Maybe, on the other hand, she asks Valiant Thor if she can have that offer. So when it is her time that she can go into Area 51 and and live forever. So in 1979, she fakes her death, settles in at Area 51, hanging out with all of these pregnant people uh, with alien hybrids inside them. She meets Calico, which is the Leslie Grossman character. And I, I, I'm sure Leslie Grossman is... As a fine, fine young lady, um, she just always in, seems to play characters that are quite annoying to me. That's probably no reflection on her, but it's just the, the characters uh, and the performance she gives uh, for these characters. Uh, just always like, ah, uh, that grates on me. But uh, she meets Calico in the present day. Security at Area 51 finds Troy and Cal. They find the newborn. They subdue it and execute it. Jamie and Kendall go looking for Troy and Cal, and then they end up going into labor at the same time. Jamie gives birth. Uh, they they kill her baby and slit her throat. Kendall gives birth, and she gives birth to the first really successful alien-human hybrid that meets all of the alien's specifications. Uh, does she get to live? No, they behead her and replace her head with a mechanical device. It looks like a big uh, silver metal globe or, you know, ball. It sits, And they're going to turn her, essentially, her body into a birthing machine and start birthing out alien-human hybrids. They're going to clone her so they can have more of her to, to do this. Mamie, who's still puttering around Area 51, finds out from Thor that the aliens are planning a mass human genocide so they can take over Earth. And when asked about the lizard race of aliens, they're like, well, you know what? Uh, we, we can live side by side with them. She asked why they couldn't do that with humans. And it's because uh, humans aren't as technologically advanced as the lizard people are. So Mamie, along with Calico, uh, try to, to stop the aliens, but uh, are, are betrayed. And they end up killing Mamie. And then they birth another perfect alien hybrid newborn and that is where this ends it's a very nihilistic ending at least in the eyes of the human race in the eyes of the aliens it's a pretty happy ending but uh it was it was a very bleak ending uh for for this section of american horror story double feature so all in all i really did like part two of american horror story double feature the season 10 of american horror story Death Valley. I enjoyed it. Uh, one, because it was very short. It was only four episodes long. And I, I really didn't need to be any longer because the longer it went with each episode, you saw more of that flip-flopping of timelines like they like to do with American Horror Story that I just... I. I, I like that in certain aspects, but it can become a bit overkill with this with this TV series, just season after season of, of flip-flopping timelines and multiple timelines and multiple storylines just can get very fatiguing to watch. And if this would have went on any longer, I think we would have got more of that. And uh, it didn't need that. I, I would have liked to seen this drawn out in a, a little more of a linear storyline. And that way, 
because you're really not getting very many big reveals uh, because of the or twists because of the timeline jumping. But I think keeping this more of a succinct, this is the timeline and and not the jumping back and forth. Uh, I, I get it. You had to flash to the future, or I should say the present with the Troy, Cal, Kendall, and Jamie characters because you couldn't just bring them in at the end, uh, the last episode, and play that out. You had to introduce them early. So I, I get that. But a lot of the other flip-flopping around of the timeline, just it, it was it was looking like it was going to get to a point where it was going to be fatiguing. And luckily, like I said, only four episodes, they didn't have that chance to do that. They didn't have that chance to make this very confusing like they do with some of their other uh, seasons of American Horror Story. So I like that it was short. I like that they filmed like all the stuff that happened in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s was all filmed in black and white. It kind of lent itself to those old uh, sci-fi alien horror movies of the 50s and, and even into the 60s. It lent itself to the old episodes of the, the Twilight Zone. And it, it kind of had that feel about it. Like I said, it almost felt like Close Encounters only set in the 50s. It just kind of had that creepy, eerie vibe to it. And they really used, as far as sound design and the scoring of these episodes, they used a lot of that uh, old 50s sci-fi sound effects. And they used the theremin, the great effect, you know, that, uh, that machine that they used in a lot of of scoring for sci-fi movies and TV shows in the 50s and even into the 60s. Uh, it was really cool that they kind of really played into the, the 50s aesthetic. And that was probably one of the more enjoyable things about watching this. And, and I really dug the fact that they kind of played this as alternate history. And so many historical events, you got an alternate reasoning for it based on the events of what's going on in this story. And and I thought that was kind of cool. That was kind of fun. I, I enjoy a good alternate history from time to time. I like real history, but the alternate history can be a fun way to add a little bit of fun to something that is inherently terrifying. Alien abduction scares the shit out of me. <laughs> It's, it has since I was a kid, even as an adult. Uh, some of the more scary things that I've seen have been more of the alien abduction type stories. Uh, Dark Skies is probably one of the, the more recent ones that uh, that I've seen. That uh, the, the fourth kind, another one that just scared the crap out of me. Some of the visuals and some of the scenes are, are just so unnerving that... Uh, you can't help but be horrified by them. And and you kind of got elements of that in this with, with the alien abduction uh, bit, with uh, any sort of scene where an entity is taking over a body like you get in those opening scenes it is always quite horrifying. And I think they did a really good job with the look of this season or this part of the season. I think they did a really good job with playing into the fact that this is one that's playing off the old drive-in double feature gimmick. Uh, it's playing off the old 50s sci-fi movies 
you've got the look, you've got the feel of it. You've got these characters that, that look the part. And a very interesting story that goes along with this kind of alternative history. you got a lot of good actors playing these roles. You know, I thought Neil McDonough played a great Eisenhower. Sarah Paulson played a great Mamie Eisenhower. Really played into the whole how she she kind of invented uh, the celebration of birthdays for adults. Uh, she kind of invented uh, celebrating other ho- you know, holidays like Halloween's, adults celebrating them. A- and they played into that. And she did a spectacular job. You really bought that she was Mamie Eisenhower. You really bought that Neil McDonough was uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. You bought these main characters as being these historical figures. And, and that was another fun aspect to what was was quite a, quite a spooky and scary story. Now, once you kind of got into the the present day stuff, it really took me out of the the vibe that you had going on. Uh, the spooky vibe, the the fifties vibe, that old school vibe really lent itself to being quite quite scary. But then when you got into the modern day and it goes back to color and you got these modern characters being modern people, that that stuff didn't really seem as scary to me. But maybe it needed that to, to break up and to really appreciate what they were doing with the stuff that was taking place in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So I, I really enjoyed this. I loved the fact that this was such a different story from the Red Tide story. And, and that really lent itself to me enjoying this season more than I've enjoyed an American Horror Story season in quite some time. Uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed some of the seasons as of late. Maybe not so much. I, I did not finish watching 1984. I still haven't yet. I, I would like to because it plays off the whole, you know, camp slasher movie kind of feel Friday the 13th, and that's that's kind of my jam right there. I lo- love the old slasher movie, movies from the 80s. Uh, so I, I do want to finish watching 1984, but like Apocalypse was okay. Cult was okay. Roanoke I thought was pretty good. Uh, Hotel was a little too... There's too much going on there. Freak Show ha- had a good idea. Too much going on there. Coven at, bored me. Uh, Asylum, again, very good idea. But too much going on there. Murder House. That was the the season back before it was even called Murder House. It was just American Horror Story that season when I watched it. And even still, there was just a little too much going on. Uh, but it was good enough that I, I really wanted to see what they were doing with this whole kind of ensemble cast. This whole kind of acting troupe uh, playing different characters season after season. I thought that was interesting. So, you know, you had some really good seasons. You had some disappointing seasons. This double feature, I really liked because, one, it was two stories in one season. So, you know, the first one, Red Tide, only got six episodes. Death Valley only got four episodes. They really didn't have time to get too complicated in telling these stories. They had to tell the story. They had limited real estate to tell these stories. And that is, I think, where American Horror Story does its best. You know, sometimes horror can lend itself to long form, a season, a, you know, two-hour movie. But sometimes, this, you know, it depends on the story. If the story is not solid enough on its own, then horror really benefits 
from a shorter format. And I think some of these American Horror Story stories would have benefited from a shorter season and a more limited time to tell the story. That way you tell the story that matters. And all these little side stories, all these little backtracks in time, flip-flopping time eras, uh, flip-flopping you know storylines and stuff like that, goes out the window and you have to focus on what is important. What is the main story you were trying to tell? And I think that was the real triumph of Double Feature because you had two stories that they were really straight up stories. You had a little bit of flashback in Red Tide that I don't think really needed to be there. It it helps explain things a little bit, but it didn't need to be there. Uh, There was a little flip-flopping of timelines in, in Death Valley that didn't need to be there. It could have been a straight up storyline, except for like the present day stuff. I mean, I, I get why they had to go that that route, but really uh, having these two stories only be a few episodes long really necessitated them sticking with what is important and cutting the fat. That's what made me love this season more than I've loved any season of American Horror Story in quite some time. And I think that's what is really good about American Horror Stories, the anthology series that they've created. And I hope there's there's plenty more seasons where this last one came from because when each episode is its own self-contained story, again, you have to tell the story that counts and you have to cut the fat. And you have to tell what's important and you can't deviate off into other territory and other timelines and and all this nonsense that they try to cram into some of these seasons of American Horror Story. With American Horror Stories, it is one episode, one story, and bad, you gotta gotta nail it. And they did for the most part. Uh, Manny Cotto uh, did a fantastic job of writing some of these episodes for American Horror Stories. And I think he is a rock star. And one of the reasons why uh, anything his name is attached to in American Horror Story is probably some of the best storytelling and the scariest stuff. So my my hat is always tipped to Manny Cotto uh, for what he does. And I really enjoyed what he brought to this double feature season. And I, I would like to see them. I know they're probably not going to stick with this double feature format. I know this was a gimmick probably just for this season. Uh, I can't remember exactly what they're doing for season 11, but, uh, but I dare say they're not going back to this uh, split season, which is, which is a little disappointing because I would like to, to see them continue this because I think the storytelling is much better when they limit themselves to a handful of episodes to tell a story. And and it's sad that you don't see how good this season was reflected in the ratings. Uh, The ratings have been going downhill for American Horror Story since, uh, I I think Freak Show was probably like the pinnacle. Uh, They got their best ratings out of that. Uh, And then it's just kind of tailed off ever since then. And the, the ratings for Double Feature just haven't been that good. Now, granted, you could chalk that up to not as many people watching things on live TV, everyone's streaming now. I I don't know, but it's sad to see. So if you haven't watched American Horror Story Double Feature, uh, maybe you were a fan of the show, but you just got tired of it like I I felt like I was getting for a while, uh, give it a shot. Give this season a shot. 
give American Horror Stories a shot because there is some really good storytelling and some really good stories that they are telling in in the anthology series, American Horror Stories, and in this double feature season. And I encourage everyone to to check that out. And and I also have to add this because I'm a huge fan. One of the one of the scariest thing about American Horror Story from season to season, no matter how good or bad the season is, or various episodes within the season, the one thing I can always count on to creep me out with American Horror Story is the intro, the opening credits, the little theme song, sound design bit they've got, the very disturbing, sometimes very disturbing imagery that they show. Uh, Freak Show was one. Uh, Roanoke was another one. Asylum had a very creepy uh, feel to Apocalypse scared the bejesus out of me. Double feature, maybe not so much the uh, Red Tide portion of double feature, but the <laughs> the Death Valley version of the opening credits uh, was quite unnerving and quite creepy and bizarre. And it just, the the opening credits always set the table for being creeped out with American Horror Story. Now, sometimes the story that follows it uh, doesn't always live up to the the edginess, the on-edge feeling that you get from those opening credits. But uh, but I think uh, those are some some brilliant bits of of artwork that uh, but that they use to to kind of open things up with American Horror Story and uh, the Death Valley uh, opening credits were on par with some of the best opening credits that uh, that they've had in this series. So like I said, if you get a chance, give American Horror Story Double Feature a a view because it is some good so there's some good stuff there. Is it perfect by by no stretch of the imagination? Is it perfect? But I, I think it's better than some of the more recent things that we've seen out of American Horror Story. And uh, and while we're at it, like I said, American Horror Story is the anthology series that they came out with this year uh give that a watch the murder house stuff that kind of bookends the series i'm not so much a fan of that but the the isolated stories in the middle of that season are fantastic there's some really good stuff and some really scary stuff in there and some great homages to uh to the horror genre in in those episodes so check it out and uh Hopefully you sat there and enjoyed what I had to say about the American Horror Story experience with Double Feature, both Red Tide and Death Valley. I enjoyed it. Hopefully you did or you will if you haven't watched it or given it a view. Uh, thanks for listening to me opine about what I thought was a pretty good season. Maybe not great, but but very good and gives me hope for the future of American Horror Story. So check us out on Facebook Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook, where we are always posting uh, trailers of latest movies and TV shows that are coming out. Uh, we're always posting articles from from around the internet on uh, different stories, different sites, posting stories about some some interesting things going on in the world of horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. And I like to add my two cents as well. 
Hopefully uh, you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, please give it a review. Five stars would be awesome. Share it with your family and friends, uh, even grandma. You know she's a horror fan at heart. Share it with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. And coming up, we've got uh, plenty more horror, fantasy, and sci-fi to talk about. A lot of things coming out in the month of November. Maybe not quite as busy as October was. We're still playing catch-up from everything that came out in October, but, but a lot of cool things ahead. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.